Hello and welcome to the Friday, May 21st, 2021 edition of On Iowa Politics. This week, the right to bear faces <laughs> and much, much more. <laughs> Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. With me today are Tom Barton of the Quad City Times. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, James. The Amy Rivers of Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, James. And Aaron Murphy, Lee Newspaper Statehouse Bureau Chief. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, James. You can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics wherever you find your podcast. Yep. First up, the right to bear faces. Governor Kim Reynolds wasted no time in freeing Iowa school children from imprisonment of face masks that protected them and other classmates from the perils of COVID. Mere hours after the legislature approved a mask anti-mandate late Wednesday night, the governor signed the bill into law so it would take effect before the kiddos headed off to school Thursday morning. Who says government can't move quickly? <laughs> Meanwhile, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi isn't letting the CDC tell her what to do. She's keeping her mask mandate for U.S. House members in place and assessing fines to the Scott laws who show their faces. Among them, Tom was a second district representative, Mary Meeks. In fact, she's racked up a couple of fines. Um, she's in danger of becoming a habitual offender. Uh, <laughs> Why is a freshman congresswoman picking a fight with the most powerful woman in Congress? Uh, to, to play to her base and to use her position as a medical professional to help Republicans push their messaging that Democrats are being heavy-handed in their response to the pandemic and, as a result, are exacerbating the effects and impacts of the pandemic on families and businesses by uh, standing in the way of a um, safe return to normal. Uh, Miller Meeks is a licensed physician. She's a retired Army nurse and a former director of the Iowa Department of Public Health, um, who prior to this had strongly advocated for um, reopening schools and businesses. Uh, she says that the House needs to lift the mask mandate following updated guidance from uh, the CDC, saying that fully vaccinated people could safely forgo face coverings in most situations. Not doing so, uh, she argues, creates more vaccine hesitancy um, and also notes that the Senate does not require masks to be worn in the chamber and that the White House as well has, um, I guess, relax, relaxed the use of face coverings. Um, Miller Meeks said, uh, quote, if we want people to get vaccinated, uh, we had to show them what a return to normal was and that um, the House should use its leadership position to show people that if they were vaccinated, they'd be able to go without masks um, and that the, the House should not abdicate that responsibility, saying that the, the science uh, says that it's safe to remove masks and um, going after Pelosi saying that she wants to fine science, F-I-N-E, as opposed to follow the science. Um, Miller Meeks as well claims that roughly 75% of House members have received COVID-19 vaccinations, therefore reaching herd immunity um, however, in a memo sent to House members on Monday, it is CNN reported the office of uh, the attending physician wrote that um, extra precautions are necessary given the um, substantial number of partially vaccinated, unvaccinated, and vaccine indeterminate individuals um, in Congress. And then just, just lastly, it's worth noting that Miller Meeks has been fully vaccinated for months. Uh, she's administered COVID-19 vaccines to her constituents, as well as to Iowa GOP Chairman Jeff Kaufman, and uh, has appeared in public service announcements encouraging Americans to get immunized. Yeah, it, it kind of struck me that it's ironic that uh, a member of Congress who has probably vaccinated uh, 
more people than anybody else, especially uh, including uh, Speaker Pelosi uh, is one of these people who's being fined for not wearing a mask. And it seems like the, the whole issue about, you know, has uh, the House reached herd immunity uh, is at least on social media is being hotly debated, you know, how many uh, Democrats and how many Republicans have been uh, immunized or vaccinated. Uh, so this is, uh, I guess, uh, in uh, lieu of getting anything done, they can talk about what <laughs> need to, to wear a mask while they're doing nothing. Um <clears throat> Aaron, uh, legislative Democrats called the governor's new mask policy cavalier, while Republicans seem to defend it uh, as just following science, as as Tom was talking about. Uh, is it fair that lawmakers, um, like many of the rest of us, choose to trust science when uh, it agrees with us? <laughs> there's no doubt there's uh, been uh, a fair amount of that over the last year and a half. Uh, the, the one thing I will say it does... Uh, bear noting is the the CDC does still recommend that uh, schools continue to to practice the normal uh, mitigation strategies, uh, and that includes face masks. So, so this does um, uh, fly in the face of of CDC current CDC guidance. Um, the other thing, so so we talk about how Democrats are reacting within the building. I think the just as big a frustration as anything outside the building. Uh, reacting to the new law is uh, how rapidly it happened and, and the time of day or more accurately night or early morning um, that it happened. Uh, I mean, this law was um, signed into law after uh, most people had gone to bed uh, for the night. And, and so you had a lot of school officials, teachers, parents, students waking up um, Thursday morning and only then finding out about this new law that said you don't have to wear face masks at school anymore. If they found out then, I I'm, I'm, I'm know a lot of people didn't find out until they got to school. Um, so so I think that was where, as, as much as anything, the frustration has come in the wake of that law. It's, it's just the way it happened so fast. It literally happened overnight, um, and, and there was just no time to um, or at least very, very little time to alert schools and enable them to get the message um, out to parents that, that, that this uh, significant change had been made. The other thing that's kind of uh, come to light in the wake of this is as people have looked at uh, the pictures that were posted uh, from that bill signing, the governor is there with people who are, are known to be part of QAnon, uh, several anti-vaxxers were there for the bill signing. Um, what sort of a message does this send? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's, and, and I can uh, speak to that even a little more so because um, at least some of the people you're referring to who are in that picture are, are from Ankeny, where, full disclosure, I live um, and have a wife who works um, in the district and, and a daughter who attends school in the district. And um, these folks are part of a, a group that has been, um, let's see, what would be the right way to put this? Uh, frequent attenders of school board meetings um, and even occasional protests uh, throughout uh, town, including just across the street from the um, uh, school board president's um, house. Um, so they, they have been on um, this issue throughout the school year, starting when it was more about the calendar and Ankeny did a hybrid schedule, one day on, one day off, 
Um, so they were pushing for a full 100% option and that became law early in the session. And, and, and now that, that battle has turned to the mask mandate. Um, um, and, and yeah, so as you pointed out, um, people have uh, traced them back to their social media profiles and there's a lot of the QAnon stuff they're posting about the January 6th, uh, attack on the Capitol. Um, um, so yeah, that's, uh, um, in this age of of disinformation, that's a it's a dangerous um, you know messaging to have out there. Well, and I'm sure we're going to see those pictures uh, in the gubernatorial campaign with uh, you know the governor sitting there, uh, you know, with QAnon and, and these folks. Um, you know, so I it just I understood seemed... one of them had a. Uh... So a, a shirt that was some kind of language that support supportive of Fl- Mike Flynn. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we'll see that in the campaign. And uh, it just it struck me as a, a really odd uh, you know, group of pe- people um, to have around you when you're signing a bill, uh, you know, sort of saying it's all in the public interest, but uh mm-hmm. Speaking of the public interest, Amy, uh, Governor Reynolds seems to have declared the pandemic is over and we can go back to normal as if we remember what that was. Uh, I'm still figuring out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of going to be a slow process, I think. How do I talk to people again? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I mean, I have to show my face. (laughs) (laughs) All those excuses we've been using about not doing our hair or you know, maybe <laughs> dress right. and all those sorts of things that, you know, I'm going to use for excuses now. But, uh, uh, it, it certainly had school officials scrambling, as Aaron was talking about, uh, in the wee hours of the morning to uh, figure out, you know, get the message out to staff and students. And, and uh, how is this being received elsewhere, like in city halls and other places uh, and businesses. Have you heard any reaction uh, from those places? Yeah. And we talked with businesses um, when the CDC guidelines came out. And of course, they're just guidelines um, that were allowing relaxation of masks. And, um, you know, businesses were kind of split over it, where some were saying, okay, now that we, you know, have everybody vaccinated and and it's okay, we're going to, you know, take masks off and, and, you know, that'll be fine and we'll relax our mask mandate and other businesses, um, some that were maybe um, that skewed toward owners that were older, but some also younger were saying, we're going to keep it in place for a while and just see how this plays out and, and sort of do our own thing. But, but yeah, I think as far as the the schools, Aaron hit it right on the head. They were sort of um, thrown for a loop. I know Waterloo and Cedar Falls. um, I talked to him yesterday and they were um, putting out messages basically Wednesday night, both Waterloo and Cedar Falls had just re-upped their mask mandate through the rest of the school year, put out messages to parents Wednesday night, Thursday morning had to backtrack those. And, you know, so this is obviously right before the school day is coming on. So if you're a parent that saw that last night message and you're getting your kid ready to go and all of a sudden you see this message today, oh, those are optional. Now you're just confused, getting mixed messages. It's almost the end of the school year. What do I do? Do I send my kid to school with a mask or not? Like, so yeah, I think the timing of that was it threw the school districts for a loop for sure. For as far as cities and counties, um, at least up here, I think most places had already been dropping their mandates. So it's not as big of a um, stumbling block. Um, Cedar Falls actually um, just um, removed theirs and that took effect yesterday. 
So basically the same day that, that Governor Reynolds' um, mandate came down. Um, and the Hudson School Board had also just dropped their school mask mandate, too. So some of these was just precipitous timing for cities and schools, but others were kind of thrown for a loop. Yeah. Aaron, I, I'd be curious. Uh, you said your wife works in the school system and your daughter is in school. When did they get uh, word that, hey, they can go mask free? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's funny because so obviously I was covering um, that story and that as it unfolded throughout Wednesday and they debated that bill, um, you know, Wednesday afternoon, evening, early evening, whatever it was, and I and I kind of told my wife, you know, just as a heads up, I, I'm you know my sense is they don't want to wait to let this go into effect next school year. They want to um, get it on the books as fast as possible. So so this could be, you know, you, your school is going to be forced to change its possible. Because uh, that's the other thing here. Ankeny still did have a, a face mask requirement. Um, so I was saying you're, that they're probably going to have to change that pretty soon here. I didn't expect it to be that fast. Um, and, and so when uh, uh, when she woke up in the morning, uh, my wife, she actually had the text alert and an email alert already on her phone um, uh, saying, oh, yeah, you, know, you were right. That it, they moved pretty fast on it. Um, so, so she, 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 she had a little bit more heads up than maybe some people did, uh, cause of her, uh, inside sources, uh, in the, yeah. <laughs> I, I think one of the, the things about this was the timing that as Amy was mentioning, so many schools had just said, look, we're going to have a mask, you know, our mask rules through the end of the year. Um, for most schools, that's like another week, two weeks, which seems like right. kind of makes sense. I mean, just like why change now at this point? Um, and then the the you know state government says, nope, right now, overnight, we're putting this into effect. Um, I guess um, as we talked about, uh, I think last week, um, sort of another virtue signaling by Republicans and the governor um, to to their base. Um, you know, that we're, mm -hmm. we're definitely on your side, um, on this. So, um, yeah. And, and, and to be fair, I mean, for, for all the people that were upset uh, about it, given all the things we just, uh, listed, there were a lot of people out there that were, were celebrating that announcement, even, even just for knowing it was only for the last nine or 10 school days, whatever many are left here. So there, there were a lot of people that didn't want to wait one more day and, and, and we're thrilled with the governor's decision. There it is. Government responding to the people. <laughs> Some of the people. That's yeah, right. <laughs> That's what government does. Uh, moving on here to investigate or not. Miller Meeks uh, was in the news again this week, Tom, for her vote to create a commission to look into the terrorism, tourism, uh, at the Capitol January 6th. Uh, unlike her Iowa GOP colleagues, uh, Miller Meeks supported the commission. Um, what's her What's her reasoning for this, uh, going against the, the grain of her party? Yeah, <clears throat> so uh, Miller Meeks said that she voted for the bill because, quote, we need to make sure something like this never happens again uh, and that Congress needs to address the failures in leadership that uh, enabled the uh, security breach or the Capitol uh, breach on January 6th. 
Um, she said a lot of the blame, you know, has been laid at the feet of Capitol Police and felt that in order to support the Capitol Police, a bipartisan commission having the ability to have subpoena power was important. Um, she added that while investigations into the January 6th insurrection are underway by congressional committees with Democratic majorities, she thought a more fair uh, bipartisan process where there's equal representation would be important. Um, so the bill would set up a 10-member commission evenly split between Democrats and Republicans and uh, modeled after the panel that investigated the uh, September 11th terrorist attacks. Do you, do you think by voting for it, she was just bucking to, to get on the commission? <laughs> I don't know about that, um, but I, I guess me, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. <laughs> Is she concerned, you know, you mentioned earlier the when we talked about the issue with the mask in the U.S. House that she was sort of, you know, uh, doing this to for her base. Um, is she more concerned about the political fallout from the more Trumpy members of the House Republican Conference and second district voters? Um, so not that she expressed to me. Um, so she said that she's willing to defend her decision and conservative voting record on the issues she says are important to Republican voters. Um, and she went on to say that she believes that most Republican voters, had they seen the Capitol Police as she had seen them in, in the violence that ensued, in which rioters brutally beat police, uh, broken through windows and doors and hunted for lawmakers as they fled, that, you know, had had they seen what she seen and experienced what she experienced um, at the Capitol on January 6th, that they would also want to get to the bottom of how to better respond to and prevent such targeted violence and domestic terrorism in the future. She added that um, U.S. Capitol Police uh, deserve to know the results of this investigation and how we can support them going forward. Um, you know, largely framing her vote and support for the commission as being focused on aiding and assessing the uh, preparedness and response of federal, state, local, and U.S. Capitol law enforcement in D.C. Um, so she, in that respect, she might, you know, um, um, have a, a better go at it of, of kind of defending this um, to, to her base and, and, and Republicans that might be uh, leery um, of this investigation and see it more as um, an attempt to, you know, um, kind of try and distract from what Democrats uh, in, in the White House are doing or not doing in Congress and keep keep attention focused on Trump and, and the Republican Party and their kind of fealty to or at least silence about, you know, his big lie of the election being stolen in 2020. And again, keeping that focus on 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 Trump and, and what transpired um, heading into the midterms. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, Republicans generally are for a law and order, so it, it seems like uh, they would want to get to the bottom of this. But uh, uh, in this case, I, I guess a majority of them want to just move on. <laughs> uh, as uh, we mentioned, uh, other Republicans from Iowa voted against the commission, um, including Representative Ashley Hinson, who said, we need to get to the bottom of the attack on the Capitol. But she voted against forming the commission, Amy. Um, how, how does she square that? Uh, we need to get to the bottom of it, but don't start a commission. She put out a statement that basically said, you know, she doesn't want to do it while they're, they're ongoing investigations with the Department of Justice, Department of Homeland Security, and the FBI. Um, but 
you know, investigations like that could take months, if not years, to go through the court systems. Um, we know that, you know, when we're trying to get information on other investigations, they're always ongoing. Um, you know, you could argue that, like like Tom was mentioning, you could do a 9-11 style commission while there's wow, investigations at criminal levels criminal going on. So, so I'm, I'm interested to see what she um, responds to that. She usually has her press call by now, but of course we're not getting it till this afternoon. So I'll know more then, but I'm hoping to sort of ask her if she would, um, what does she think about um, Marionette Miller Meek's reasoning in that way? And, um, and of course, if you've seen the, the letter that Capitol Police had sent um, anonymously to members of Congress, you know, they're very concerned that a commission wouldn't take place too. So I'm interested to see if she's at all changed her mind on that. And, and Tom, yeah, and Tom. Uh, Senator Grassley kind of has a, a foot, seems to have a foot on both sides of the line here, um, saying that, uh, I mean, he, he was one of the Republicans who said this is a scheme to deflect attention from uh, uh, the president's and congressional Democrats' inability to get anything done. But uh, he's said he could support it if it broadened its scope. What does he mean, broaden its scope? Yeah. Um, so he said that, um, you know, if he were to support the commission, that he has several conditions um, in, in which he would support the legislation. Chief among them um, is that the commission should only be established if it can investigate other violent acts, including racial justice protests last summer following the killing of, of George Floyd by police. Democrats, though, have, have rejected broadening the scope of the panel to beyond, you know, the January 6th attack at the U.S. Capitol. Um, Grassley also joined other Senate Republicans in questioning um, whether the panel's work uh, was, was necessary, as Amy was, was talking about, noting um, the FBI, other federal agencies and congressional committees are conducting their own inquiries. Um, and, and he also went on to say, um, also in, in light of the hundreds of criminal arrests and prosecutions, um, taking place of those who uh, who participated in the riot. So, you know, he's um, his his reaction response to, to the bill was um, not that dissimilar from, I guess, what uh, Ashley Henson has had to say. And, and finally, this week, uh, Sine Die. No, it's not another Irish pub band, uh, but the final adjournment <laughs> of the legislative session. <laughs> of course, for Aaron, it's the high point of the session. <laughs> Uh, and an Irish pub band would have made it a lot more tolerable. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> For me, I always feel like the day after adjournment is like New Year's Day. Uh, you know, you're, you're still kind of groggy and not sure what happened, but uh, you're, you're feeling better about things. Uh, Does it also come with so, a massive hangover? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, there are no football bowl games. Uh, <laughs> Aaron, this isn't a test, but um, what stands out from this session, this 129-day session, other than home delivery of cocktails? <laughs> um, so a, a few things. Um, one, which is obvious, it, it'll be... Um, a session that I'll, I'll remember for the uniqueness of, of how it operated uh, during the pandemic. Um, uh, it, it's easy to forget now where we are, but when this thing started back in January, we were still in the 
in in deep, but if not just mm-hmm. barely, then starting to come out of the worst of this thing. I mean, in, in, in mid January, um, mm-hmm. you know, so there was some unease about even having the session um, um, at that point. Um, and then to their credit, and because of that, it operated in a much different manner. They, they, they really limited the number of, to, to as best they could anyways, without closing it to the, to the public, they, they limited as best they could the number of people who were in the Capitol in the chamber at any given time. They didn't slam people into little committee rooms like they would always used to. They conducted a lot of their, uh, business um, online and streamed it so uh, the public could view it and, and in some cases even participate that way. Reporters could cover it that way. Um, so it was, a, it, was a, it was a very unique session, uh, obviously, for all those reasons. Um, as far as the, the, the bills and the legislation and the overall, it, it, what, what was interesting to me about it was it was this interesting little mix about, of um, you know, there was some interesting and, and big stuff that got done when you talk about the shifting uh, funding for mental health care from the counties to the states. That's been something that's been talked about for a long time. Um, they finally got that done, uh, did some more tax cuts. That's, you know, usually good news for most most people. The concern is what it does down the road to future state budgets. But but for now, it's always good news to, 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 to learn your paycheck is going to be a little bit lighter. I'm sorry, the taxes are going to be a little bit lighter. Your paycheck's going to be a little bit um, better off. Um, so, uh, so, so it, and there are other examples, too, of, of things that uh, were, were, were probably good ideas and, and Iowans will be happy with. And, and then you also had this kind of stream of, and, and as you mentioned, Jim, we've talked about it um, on a few podcasts now of these bills that, um, uh, whether you call them virtual signaling or whatever, that were... Um, um, you know, it just kind of seemed like Republicans were using their uh, majority to uh, um, kind of u- use the uh, legislature as a as a, a, a weapon to kind of ex- exact their revenge on on people or, or businesses or whatever it is that they feel have wronged them in some way. You got the social media um, uh, bills as an example. Um, uh, the the it didn't get done, uh, but the um, bill on um, transgender athletes. So so it was kind of this mix of the business you like to see um, your your representatives working on on behalf of the state and, and, and then this other kind of um, stream of bills that um, um, were pretty um, ideologically uh, driven. I think, you know, as I look at the session, there are a few things that stand out and one of them is Aaron is is just how unique the session was because of the way it was conducted, and you know as much concern as there was and as many complaints as we heard about meeting in person during the pandemic, I was surprised by uh, the steps that were taken, uh, the the virtual access to committee meetings and the, you know to the legislative process. Uh, I, it certainly wasn't p- perfect. Um, you know, the, the Senate's approach of allowing people to participate, uh, you know, committee members as well as the public to participate virtually, as opposed to the House who said, no, you have to be here in person to participate. You can observe, uh, you know, uh, through a online uh, app, but you can't participate. Um it's going to be interesting to see how much of that continues next year, because I think uh, it's created a, a expectation in the public 
um, that, you know, I can be sitting here in Cedar Rapids and actually at least observing a subcommittee hearing, a public hearing on, on a bill. Um, and I think people probably like that, um, you know, and I certainly just as businesses are saying, hey, we don't have to have everybody here to do our job. Uh, government might learn that, you know, they can conduct, they can be more open, be more accessible to the public uh, by continuing this. Um, yep. It's going to be interesting to see if that continues. Another thing that really struck me about this session was the scale of abandonment of local control and the micromanagement of local matters. Uh, yep. Republicans used to be the party of local control, and now it's just gone. I mean, the bills that we, I mean, the mask, you know, uh, bill they passed, uh, you know, in the late at night uh, before adjourning is just the, the last example of it. But there were so many bills uh, during this session that, uh, that they just turned their back on local control. Um, and I, I don't know, it's it's like, you know, when is that pendulum going to swing back the other direction? And, and it probably will at some point. But for the time being, uh, there there is no local control caucus uh, in the House. Uh, yeah, that was one of the criticisms in the elections bill, too, is, is some of the exactly tied, tied auditors' hands. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I, what I find interesting about that elections bill is on the federal level, you know, Republicans are bashing H.R. 1, saying that, you know, this is going to federalize elections. <laughs> um, but then Right. I mean, this is this is the, yep. the federal government dictating to states how to run an election. And then here in Iowa, at the state level, <laughs> Republicans are doing just exactly that, dictating to county auditors and election commissioners how they they, they, they can uh, conduct an election and just, you know, essentially removing any discretion that they once had um, about yeah, how to conduct elections and, and try and uh, increase uh, access and participation, you know, in the voting booth. Yeah, preach, yeah. preach slash Allah slash Amen slash Hallelujah. <laughs> all the bells. I wanted to when we were when it was explained to us at one point. Um, well, we we need these so we can be assured that this, the, the elections are conducted um, uniformly across all ninety nine counties. I wasn't. That was said during debate. I think so. It wasn't an opportunity for follow up question because I would have loved to ask. Oh, that's great. Then, so I assume you will love and endorse House uh, File One in the U.S. House, which will make elections uniform across the whole country, right? So, I I fully expect that there's going to be a court case come out of this because, if I understand that correctly, basically what the the election bills plural did is it said county auditors must follow directives from the secretary of state or they can be charged with a felony and and man it just seems to me that uh following the law is one thing but following a directive i mean telling an elected official they have to follow another elected official's directive or guidance Mm -hmm. uh yeah i'm not sure that that's going to fly one of the other things that um struck me about um the whole session was Republicans for years, uh, you know, if you remember, Aaron, in their opening day speeches and closing day speeches, there's a, they would always have a line like, we're not Washington, D.C. Uh-huh. We work together or we get things done. And stuff. 
it's more and more like Washington, D.C. It's it you know, it's um, you know, they don't want to be told how to run their Washington to tell them how to run their elections. But basically, they're all on, in the same playbook. You know, Democrats mm-hmm. and Republicans are, are working off the same playbook in terms of how they conduct themselves uh, in, in the, the legislative process. And uh, the bills that were advanced, the arguments that were made. Uh, you know, the reasoning for doing all these things, it, it just seems like, yeah, we, it's gone Washington, D.C. And I don't think that's uh, 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 to the benefit of Iowa or Iowans. Um, so, I agree 100%. Yeah. yeah I wanted to see uh, if you guys thought that this was going to be how it was going to go in the future. If you're seeing this um, party trifecta at the state level going forward, is this just how we're, it's going to be? Well, yeah, I mean, it really raises a question in my mind, what's next year going to be, uh, you know, yeah. as radical as uh, Democrats said, you know, this agenda was, what's left to do, uh, or do they come back next year and just do all the nice stuff, you know, we cut your taxes, now we're going to, uh, I, I don't know what it is they're going to do, you know, and a story that um, my colleague Rod Bochart is working on for this weekend is the kind of the the spending, the budget, the balance sheet after this session. The state is sitting on huge surpluses. I mean, on one hand, they're saying we can't spend any money. But on the other hand, they're saying, you know, they've got this huge ending balance. The reserve accounts are full. The taxpayer relief fund, if my math is right, and, and put an asterisk next to that. Uh, <laughs> it looks like there's about a half billion dollars. There'll be a half billion dollars in there uh, by the end of the fiscal year. So, um you know, it's what are you going to do with all this money? I mean, Republicans want to give it back, but uh, okay, give it back. Don't don't let it sit there in an account. Uh, but uh, maybe it's time to invest too. I don't know. You know, it's uh, it's some of this. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know either. And the, the only thing I'll, I'll say is I don't expect a great change of course, um, by the Republican leadership, because why would they? I mean, they've been doing it this way for five years and they've won two elections decidedly um, in, in during this trifecta. So, so I, I see no reason to expect um, any sudden great uh, change in, in um, partisan direction from them. Yeah, I don't know if you heard it, uh, Aaron, during floor debate the other night on... Uh, HJR five the uh, the resolution to put the abortion amendment on the the ballot. Um, opponents were talking about polling showing that this is very unpopular. And, and Representative Steve Holt made the comment, um, you know, we've been doing the, we've been pushing this agenda for years, and we came back with fifty nine Republicans. That's the poll I like. So you're <laughs> right. Why would they change anything? Uh, you sure. know, it, it's. I mean, from their perspective, it's they've got a mandate. A box, yeah. Right, they've got yep. a mandate. Yep. So uh, I, I wouldn't expect a, a big change, of course. Um, just quickly, playing off of something that um, you said, uh, James, um, you know, looking at the state balance sheet, I would be interested. So with, with, with all the money that they have sitting in account, it would be interesting now that they have shifted funding from mental health to the state level Will they step up and actually fund that now? Hmm. Yep. That, well, that's. Sorry, go ahead, Jim. Well, yeah, I guess they will, but at what level? And 
you know, a, a year from now, two years from now, you know, when some there's a new shiny object uh, that they say, hey, let's spend money on this. Mm-hmm. What happens to mental health? And that's the argument that Democrats were making is that you promised a backfill. Now that you, you know, that's right. going away. You're promising right. to fund mental health. How long? You know, when state revenues go down, which they will someday, I, I, you know, I mean, we assume that there will be some lean years. What do you do then? You know, is it like schools? You know, you get a, a, a 1% increase or, uh, you know, you know, 2%. Is that going to be enough? Um, and I mean, that's to me, that that's the obvious danger of, of state funding of this is there's no there's no requirement that you fund it at this level. There's just you're just saying we're going to put it we're going to put it in the big uh, general fund and see how far it goes. There's a lot of competing interests in that uh, for that for that bag of money. Yeah, I mean it's not like uh, you know the road fund where it's constitutionally protected, uh, you know, or and uh, we'll we'll see how that works. Um, you know they haven't done a great job of funding children's mental health uh, after I don't know how many years when they passed that two years ago at least. Uh, you know they did the framework but they haven't funded that. So are, are they going to fund that as well as mental health in general? And to your point, just ask, um, you know, the K-12 schools in the regions, how much they enjoy being funded out of the States. Uh, general exactly. Funding, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, maybe next year, everybody will be uh, making their budget requests based on, you know, the mental health uh, benefits of higher education, the mental health benefits of, you know. (laughs) know. So we're making this request in support of your priority. (laughs) You got to play the game. You got to play the game. (laughs) Well, that's it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. Uh, If you enjoy the podcast, tell a friend and subscribe wherever you find your podcast. Send fan mail to podcast at thegazette.com. And you can find us on the home pages of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Muscatine Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Imperfect will take us out. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file and subscribe to On Iowa Politics. For Aaron, Tom, Amy, and our producer, Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening. Stay well.
city of five seasons, even more smells. It ain't hard to tell. People around here are bored as hell. Getting psyched for Saturdays when they're super fresh. Small place, big dreams on the road to success. Mike and the crew, the cause collective. Midwest indigenous MCs respected. From near to far, here we revere the art. Taking charge of the hip hop scene so we can raise the bar. They're faking hard, we keep it really, really real. Acting like you don't know. Catch my nippy little spiel. Moving swiftly on your heels, but the fact is, I'm laughing you. Cause of your half-stepping attitude Melodramatic crews who never had a clue Chuckle with a bad excuse But really, I ain't that amused Get down with M-I-C, H-A-N-D Get down with M-I-C, H-A-N-D Get down with M-I-C, H-A-N-D Now throw your hands in the air and come along with me Get down with M-I-C, H-A-N-D Get down with M-I-C, H-A-N-D Get out with M-I-C, H-A-N-D Then throw your hands in the air and sing along with me uh. Yeah Mike Hand, check it out, y'all Cedar Rapids, stands up Hip-hop, right under your nose Keep me on MySpace I'm old school, I don't fuck with that Facebook shit Peace out, perfect